You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, May 20th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And today our episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'd like to begin today's show with a special shout out to subscribers to this podcast. And to join that group, all you have to do is go to your favorite podcast source and click the subscribe button. If you do that, we'll deliver new episodes to your device each morning as this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets with new episodes each day, Monday through Friday. Most weeks we do one mailbag show. It comes on Wednesday. But there are weeks where we get enough good mailbag questions to do two mailbag shows, and this is one of those weeks. Thanks so much to everybody who sent in so many great questions that give us the opportunity to have a second mailbag. Let's begin. What's the holdup in signing Zach Wilson and the other rookies? It took until July to sign Becton. Why not just get it done? Let me take it a step further. Since 2018, Becton is the only Jets first-round pick to be signed on time for training camp. Sam Darnold and Quinnen Williams both had short holdouts during their rookie training camp because they and the Jets could not work out their deals on time. Now, when there's an issue signing a first-round pick, it's typically one of two things. It's either the schedule of the bonus payments. Now, the dollar amounts are largely predetermined by the rookie wage scale, and that includes bonus money. The amount of money these players are going to be paid in bonuses, there's not much to negotiate there. But the timing of the bonus payment is up for negotiation when when the player actually receives the bonus money. Players typically want it as soon as possible. Teams typically want to put it off as far down the line as they can. The second issue that can come up is what's known as offset language. And that comes into play if the player is cut. So for example, if the Jets cut their first round pick and this first round pick signs with a team like say Detroit and Detroit gives him a $1 million contract, the offset language will will determine whether that reduces the amount the Jets have to pay that player by 1 million or whether the Jets have to pay the guy the 1 million on top of the 1 million he's making from Detroit. And again, that only comes into play if the player's cut and goes to another team. That's what offset language is. And when you look at what these sides are negotiating, what really kind of stands out to me is how small the stakes are. And it just shows you that no matter what the NFL does, and the NFL has made this as much of a paint-by-numbers thing as could, could be, and there are still issues signing players. It's amazing, isn't it? It just shows you that with the egos involved between front offices and agents, they will find something to disagree on. It it boggles the mind. And I always say that if there's ever a situation where the player's not signed on time for camp, like 95% of it is probably the team's fault because none of these negotiations should come down to 
I mean, none of these things should be should be deal breakers for a team. None of these things even really matter that much for a team. Now, these issues could matter a little bit more for I could I can at least understand why a player might be worried about some of these things. But for a team, this is like the most minor thing in the world. There's also a third thing that could come into play that comes into play less frequently, and that's language that the player may lose the guarantees on his contract if he's fined for something, if he's suspended for something. Sometimes teams really get aggressive with that, where if the player, you know, hypothetically, if the player is fined for like showing up late to a meeting, then he loses his guaranteed money. So that's a, that's another. So I mean, there are some minor things that could come into play, but none of these should be deal breakers for a team, and they probably should not be for players anyway. For players either, but I can at least understand why they may be an issue for a player. Now that's not to say these are issues with Zach Wilson. There have been no reports on negotiations of Zach Wilson's rookie deal. For whatever reason, teams put off signing their first round picks. You know, you see reports about teams signing picks from round five, round six, and the Jets have signed a number of their late round draft picks already. I wish teams would not put off. I wish the Jets, the Jets have been bad at this recently. I wish they would not put off signing the first round pick because any issues that are left to negotiate can probably get be done in the time between now and the start of training camp. So I'd like to see the Jets just get this done create you know take a distraction off the table and get Wilson in camp on time you know we don't need this distraction we don't need to go through what we went through three years ago with Darnold and that's on the Jets I'm going to say it right now because I know everybody always takes the team side in this even though the team has no leg to stand on so I'm going to say this right now May 20th 21 Zach Wilson needs to be in camp on time and if he's not it's the Jets fault Jets get him signed. And listen, I don't want to cause alarm. I don't think there's any reason to be alarmed at this point. I'm not going to be alarmed until I see Zach Wilson not in camp. And there's nothing there's nothing to suggest to me that there's any reason for concern at this point. Next question. What will the new offensive line coach do with the offensive line? Could he move Elijah Vera Tucker to left tackle, Becton to right tackle, and Fant to right guard? Maybe Vera Tucker to right tackle, Fant to, to left guard, and Feeney at right guard. Maybe the main problem was playing offensive linemen out of position. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the issue was guys playing out of position. In fact, Becton played left tackle in college. Becton played both tackle spots in college. And you see guys move from tackle to guard all the time in the NFL. It's really about where you project, where your skill set is best. And there are plenty of guys who play tackle in college who have to move to guard in the NFL because they don't have the athleticism to protect the edge. In fact, you know there are some college teams where they just put the best the, the best athlete at left tackle, no matter where he's best suited to play. And sometimes guys are athletic enough to play tackle in college; they're not athletic enough to play guard in the pros. And you know, you look at this. I mean, almost everybody who analyzes draft picks thinks Vera Tucker's a guard in the NFL. And if you ask people what Fant's best attribute is, it's his athleticism, which means. You know, if Fants can't play tackle in the NFL, I'm not sure he's a guy who necessarily kicks into guard and plays that effectively. The guys who can't play tackle but can play guard are tend to be like the stronger type guys who maybe aren't as athletic. You know, again, not athletic enough to protect the edge, but you know they're strong enough to deal with interior offensive linemen. Those are the guys you look to move inside. So I don't think there's going to be this type of reshuffling. I think the Jets are very happy with Becton as their left tackle of the future. I certainly don't think they're going to move him off left tackle. I mean, could Vera Tucker 
move outside to tackle. I mean, I think in theory, maybe you could do it for a couple of games, but you're trying to develop a player and you want to, you know, if he's going to be a long-term guard for, for you, you want him playing as much guard as possible. You don't want him playing another position. I, that's what I think. I think he's a guard. And it seems like that's the general consensus on him. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are always reliably low. rockauto.com's a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Locked on Jets podcast on this bonus Thursday mailbag show. Our next question. I have not heard of any free agent signings since the draft, like by anyone. Am I misremembering this period? Do these usually happen closer to camp or do they happen right around now? I think it varies because the players who are available right now are usually available for a reason. Either they need to show teams, convince teams that they're healthy because they are coming off an injury or they overplayed their hand in free agency and are waiting for more money than any team is going to offer. And typically those players end up needing to settle for a one-year contract. And when they real the point where they realize this and they finally just sign the contract, it could be any point between now and training camp. So I, you know, I don't know that there are any nest, any set rules for something like this. I just I think it depends on each player. I don't think it's necessarily that unusual though right now. This is not a period where you see a lot of action in in a normal year. There are always players who are available, but the it, the timing of their signings isn't clear. It's not like the beginning of free agency where lots of teams have money to spend. They're desperately trying to fill needs. These are all players who are typically available for a reason and they they eventually will, will sign with somebody. Stephen Nelson's going to be in the NFL this year. Richard Sherman is going to be in the NFL this year. But the point at which they sign, that is not entirely clear. It is not necessarily right after the draft, though. I don't think there's anything that's that unusual about this situation. Our next question. Do we really know the extent of injuries that some of our poorest performers had last year? Most notably... P. Ryan, McGovern, Zaniga, Clark. I may be rationalizing here, but if your center has a hamstring injury early in the season, how does he get the strength to do certain things? Same with Zaniga and Clark and P. Ryan. Hoping some of them come back strong. It's not a bad point. Now, I don't know about any of those players specifically. In fact, you know, I think it's just a guess, but I think that's one thing that's very easy to forget. Sometimes players are not performing because they're injured and we never find out about it you know i'll never forget the the jets had a safety about 10 years ago broadney pool and i was very critical of his play at the time and i remember reading the book collision low crossers which chronicled the jets 2011 season and i found out i mean he was really playing through some tough stuff i mean it was it, it was kind of amazing when you read the book the stuff he was playing through and you know, after I read that, I felt kind of bad about how critical I was of him. 
And that, you know, it's one of those things. Is sometimes you know a guy's hurt, but some guys just play through stuff, and you, you never find out about it. That happens a lot near the draft season. You know, sometimes a guy has a bad bad season, and scouts find out that he, they were playing through injuries and never complained about it. You know, they never released the information to the public, and that's one of those things that kind of helps those players near draft time because you find out that they they really were trying their best to help the team, even though they were not one hundred percent. Now again. Were, was P. Ryan hurt? Was McGovern playing through injuries? Zaniga, Clark? I mean, I don't know. I, I can't tell you about any of those guys. But I think that's something we should all remember, myself included. You know, when, when we criticize some of these guys, sometimes there's more happening than we realize. And it's very easy to be critical of these guys. And sometimes we just don't have the full information that we need to, to make the judgments that we're making. Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances behind a player's play that we don't realize. Next question. What are reasonable expe- expectations for this season? Is a 500 season too much to ask for? Well, I guess I can be the wise guy of the group and say that a 500 season is going to be tough to do this year because there are 17 games. So you'll have to be 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. You'll have to have a tie somewhere in there. Or I guess you could go 7-7-3 seven, seven, and three or something like that. So yes, I think a 500 season, if you want exactly 500, is too much to ask for. I don't think it's unreasonable, though. I, I think the question is more somewhere in the range of a 500. And I don't think that's unreasonable to ask for. Now, if I had to guess, I would say the Jets are probably going to be under 500 this year. You know, I think in a neutral scenario, but you know, if they get a few lucky bounces, if they have good injury luck, if they have good luck late in games, maybe the schedule, maybe some of the opponents on the schedule have surprisingly difficult seasons. This is a team that could end up being above 500. Again, you know, I think if all things are equal, if it's a neutral luck kind of kind of season, they'll probably be below 500. But I think. You know, somewhere in the six, seven win range, maybe eight. I think that's a reasonable expectation. In fact, I'd go as far to say if the Jets finish below six wins this year, I'd call that a disappointment. I think that with the improvements this team has made this offseason, they should be quite a bit better this this year. And if they are not, then something has gone wrong. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These may be protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. They're delicious. They're covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And they're healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. For 15% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com.
This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this bonus Thursday mailbag show. Our next question, if you take the Jets brand name off this roster, what roster do you think it reasonably compares to? The media and our fans tend to to downplay Jets players because they are Jets, but how good is our team if this was the roster of the Lions, Seahawks, or Rams? Well, I'm not sure if the question is implying that the media is unfair to the Jets, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that because that would imply that the media has projected the Jets to be bad in seasons where the Jets turned out to be good. And look, in recent seasons, if the media has projected the Jets to be bad, they've been bad. They have not had a winning season since 2015. That's their only winning season in the past decade. They have not made the playoffs in 10 10 seasons. So I don't think the media has been unfair to the Jets. If the media has said the Jets are going to be bad, They've been bad. They've been pretty accurate. And fans, you know, and, and fans never like to hear the media project bad things for their team. But what can you say? The media has been accurate. Um, and when you're coming off a 2-14 and 14 season, you really have to prove it. You know, if you're going to get, res- I think respect is earned in this league. So you have to prove it by putting together wins. Now, you know, how good is this roster? I mean, I don't think it's as good as the Rams roster. Uh, the Seahawks are difficult to compare them to because the Jets have a rookie quarterback and the Seahawks have a guy who is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL in Russell Wilson. And they're a very quarterback dependent team. So, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily the comparison and Detroit. I mean, I I think of the three that you mentioned, maybe Detroit, but I don't think the the two situations are all that comparable with the Lions going forward with Jared Goff. I think, as I said in the last segment, the Jets are a team that I think is on the rise. I think that the future can look bright for this team. And I expect, like I said, this team should not be a two-win team again. Something's gone very wrong if this is a two-win team again. This is a team that should be fighting for 500, and if things bounce the right way, maybe they can compete for a wild card spot in the AFC, although that's not my expectation for the season. So, you know, whichever team you'd, you'd give that description to, I, I I don't really know where I'd put the Jets right now. Maybe something like Miami from last year where they're coming off a bad season, but you can see that a turnaround is possible, and maybe if things go right, they can have a winning season. Maybe something like that. I mean, that that's the best I can come up with. Every team in the NFL is different, though. You know, every team is kind of like itself. I don't know how much you can compare the Jets to another team. So I, I I don't know that that's a great answer, but that's the best I can come up with for right now. Next question: A lot of people are saying the Jets cannot go into the season with their current crop of quarterbacks; that they can't have a backup who has never taken a snap. And I ask, if the Jets are comfortable with a rookie as their starter, knowing that he'll have ups and downs, why can't they be as comfortable with an inexperienced backup if they believe Morgan is good enough? How can Morgan ever take a snap if the team never gives him a chance? I don't see how having an experienced backup in Flacco or McCown helped the Jets. I did see it work with the Redskins when they had RG3 and Cousins. Um, I, I don't think James Morgan is Kirk Cousins. I don't think James Morgan is a guy who's ready to give the Jets competent play. I, here's the issue, though. I think I think you get to the main point here, though. There also really are no quality quarterbacks available right now. I, I don't know where the Jets would go to get their backup. 
So I, I, I think the Jets have not done a good job with depth at the quarterback position. And that's been true for a number of seasons. They were not aggressive last year. They were not aggressive this year in trying last year. They did find a veteran, although I don't think Flacco was very good. And we're back here in May, and it's not clear who the backup's going to be. I think there there were guys out there they could have been aggressive, finding at least somebody who, who could be a placeholder if Zach Wilson's not ready. They showed very little interest in that. I don't think it's a good move. I'd like to have beyond backups. I'd like to have somebody who can step in if Zach Wilson's not ready to play on day one. I don't love the idea that you're being forced to put Zach Wilson onto the field for week one whether or not he shows you in training camp and preseason that he's ready. So, but uh, on the other hand, and this is, this is, I think is the main point who's available. I mean, who can they actually get at this point? So I don't think, yeah, I, I kind of agree that signing somebody else is not really a necessity because there has to be somebody out there who's a competent quarterback. And that's not a, an endorsement of James Morgan, because I don't think James Morgan's going to do that good of a job, but I don't see anybody out there who's going to be a lot better than James Morgan either. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow for our final show of the week.